Welcome to Call Us Mommy Podcast, where we get real about mom life, relationships, and careers. I'm Tiana, a single mom of three. And I'm Marielle, a married mom of four. We're both on a mission to empower you not to settle in any area of life. Um, I found her on Instagram scrolling. If, As you guys know, I am a co-parent. I've been co-parenting for almost three and a half years, but I'm always looking for like the best tips and tricks on how to co-parent the healthiest way possible. And I came across her page and I will binge it sometimes four in the morning because I can't sleep. So this is Katie from Co-Parenting Peacefully. I will let her give her own introduction. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, Okay, where to start? So I have been co-parenting for six years, maybe a little more. And uh, my co-parent and I really struggled at first. I would say we were definitely high conflict to begin with. And it was a steep learning curve. There is so much crap that nobody ever tells you about co-parenting. So you're like, okay, I hate this person and this person hates me. And what are we supposed to do with this? And how are we supposed to take care of our kids? So that's kind of where co-parenting peacefully stemmed from was like trying to teach people how they can do this more effectively and also not be besties with their co-parent because that is not everyone's reality. So that's kind of my backstory. Uh, My co-parent and I co-parent a lot better now, but it was through um, using a bunch of tools and techniques that I've picked up along the way that really helped us get from like, we really hate each other to we can tolerate one another, but we're never going to be best friends. So I think that's like, I don't know if you have any listeners who really struggle and really have high conflict co-parents and need to figure out like, we don't have a co-parenting goals type co-parenting situation. Like we need less contact. Um, So this might be for your listeners if that's the case. Yeah. I love that you said that this is all based on experience. I didn't realize that like co-parenting peacefully started from that. I had in my mind too, and I used to send it to Ariel and she'd be like, Tiana, I think that you need to like drop that. Like, you know, where the co-parents, like they're sitting together, they're like doing things together. And I like really thought like that was going to be it. And then once I really accepted that, like, that's not my reality. And that me putting those expectations on this relationship is actually making things a hundred times worse. Once I accepted like my co-parent, like where, where we were at and how far we could actually go. That's like things like got a lot better with my co-parent, I will say. Yeah. I think um, that's really important that you mentioned that, like knowing that there's a limit or knowing that there's a place you might reach one day that you can't move further than is so important. Um, and I don't know, like that, that limit looks so different for everyone, but I think in the beginning, you have to be really careful about how chummy your relationship is with your co-parent because there's so much untangling to do and so much emotional baggage that when you guys are fighting all the time, it's better to just take your space. So I think like parallel parenting in the beginning is where most people should start and then work their way towards co-parenting but it feels like everyone wants to start at co-parenting and then they end up at parallel parenting anyway. I would love for you to talk on parallel co-parenting a little bit more in depth because I shared something of yours last week and somebody was like, what the heck is that? And I was like, girl, I'm trying to figure out as well. So hold (laughs) on, hold up. Let me figure this out. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that like judges generally don't like to hear the word parallel parenting. Like they don't like that phrase because it gives the idea that you're not working together for the kids. I disagree. I'm not a judge. I'm not a lawyer, but I, I think parallel parenting can be great if you know how to use it and if you know what it is. So 
let me give like a brief rundown. To me, when my clients and I are working together and we're talking about parallel parenting, we're talking about following your court order, minding your own business, and just doing what works for you and your kids, like within the confines of your court order. As long as you're following that, then there doesn't need to be like all of this sitting together at events and talking on the phone three times a day and making every single little decision together. It's really minimizing contact so that you, boundaries, boundaries, but it's really minimizing contact so that you guys are not continuing to fight and argue when things are tense. So that's my best um, short version of parallel parenting. But then there are so many questions people have about like, well, how do I do that? What if my co-parent wants to switch time? What if they want to do this? What if they want to do that? So um, I think the, the key is following the court order. And that means sometimes you have to tell your co-parent, no, you just can't be flexible today. Sorry. Like bottom line. I, I'm not a co-parent, but having gone through this experience with Tiana and I am an empath, so I feel like I've basically gone through it. <laughs> basically did. What would you say to maybe someone who is brand new to co-parenting, who is like, Oh, but like, that's different for me. Like we can, we can be co-parents in the way that like you talked about at the beginning, maybe that's what they're envisioning. Like, but if they're coming from a high conflict where it's like, there was never a good relationship or it ended on a bad note, what would you say to them to kind of maybe get their focus right? Or is it possible? Manage your expectations, manage them hard. Like you have got to look at what your relationship was like during your relationship together? And then what is your relationship like right now as co-parents? And how far do you think that's going to go? You might not actually see happen. Like how, if, if I see that my co-parent does X, Y, and Z every single day, why am I expecting A to happen? Like you have to come from a place of logic and reason and seeing, okay, we, we can't even have a phone conversation. We're probably not ready to like go to the soccer game and sit together and talk with our partners and do all of this other jazz. You just have to realize where you are. And that doesn't mean you can't, but when things are high conflict, you have got to protect yourselves and let all of that emotion kind of fizzle out before you can even move towards co-parenting. That's my, my best advice. Parallel parent to start if you Mm -hmm. need to. I would love for you to talk more on like how to set boundaries with co-parents. Cause I feel like that is That was even a tough one for me because especially like depending on where you're coming from, from the previous relationship, I thought his like emotions and things were dependent on like how I was treating him and things like that. You know, you don't want your kids to go there and then they're having a bad day because you set a boundary with that co-parent. Now that co-parent is mad and angry and upset. And so I didn't want my kids to get it. So I'd, I would still walk on like eggshells. And I remember Ariel being like, why are you so nice? (laughs) Do you understand what's happened here? And I'm like, well, because, you know, and I would make excuses um, thinking it was for my, like my kids' protection or even my protection. And so how do you set boundaries in a healthy way with a co-parent, something you have to obviously continue to co-parent with? Okay. So that's, uh, you just touched on so many different things. I'm trying to like, okay. First of all, boundaries are meant to protect you and your space, your emotions, your time, your parenting time. So whatever boundaries you think you want to set need to have reasonable, um, like, okay, let me start here. So many things. There's an expectation and then there's a boundary and an expectation is something that you're saying, I wish you would. 
but your boundary is something that you are going to do that is not necessarily going to change that person's behavior. So setting boundaries relies on you and what you can do on your end. And those boundaries have to come from places that you're really uncomfortable with, like maybe emotions as far as your co-parent, like dumping on you, yelling at you, uh, maybe communication. They want to communicate all the time. And you're like, holy crap, I need like 15 minutes of peace. Um, lots of people need boundaries surrounding like their bodies. Maybe you don't want to hug your co-parent anymore. Maybe you don't want your co-parent in your house. My co-parent has never been inside my house in six years because I just don't want him in here. Mm -hmm. And that's okay for me. That works for us. Um, so there's like all these different boundaries that you can think to yourself. What does my co-parent do? How do they bother me? What do I need to find peace? And then you set your boundaries from there. Uh, but I would say those are the most common. Okay. So how do you properly set the boundary? Do you just know it in your head? You have the boundary or do you, when you set a boundary and this goes with anything, not even co-parenting, do you let that person know like, Hey, this is a boundary. If you cross this boundary, X will happen. That depends, okay. <laughs> which is like not, not the best answer, but I think it depends on your relationship with your co-parent and how likely they are to explode at you or to use that boundary against you. So I think you have to really know your co-parent. Like, are they going to take you to court because you don't want them in your house? Well, then you probably shouldn't tell them that you should just meet them on the porch. Like, you know, you have to really know. And then there are some things like communication. I don't necessarily think you have to tell your co-parent. I'm not answering your phone calls after 9, 9 p.m. Like, just don't answer it. Call them back the next morning. Um, so there are some that I think you do need to voice. And then there are some that like your attorney might say, you need to voice this boundary so that your co-parent knows what the boundary is. And so that you can bring that later to court for documentation. Like there are so many different reasons why you would want to voice one and why you wouldn't. But I guess I would say, um, especially, well, so if your co-parent is like not responding to any boundaries that you verbally set, why are we going to continue to verbally set them? That might be a good way for people to decipher whether they want to verbally set them or not. Um, sometimes I say voice at one time. Sometimes I say, don't even tell them what the consequence is. Just tell them like, hey, this is what's happening. This is what I would like to see happen and then leave it at that. But it just depends. There's so many variables, uh, but those are a couple of different things you might want to consider. Yes, I totally agree with that. There was like times at the very beginning that my co-parent would try to like scream at me on the phone or intimidate me because those are things that he previously was, you know, able to do in our relationship. So we thought that that was okay to, you know, carry on. And I did set clear, clear boundaries. Like, look, you talk to me like that one more time. I'm going to hang up his phone and I will not answer you until we are sitting in front of a lawyer or a you. judge. And that slowly worked for him. Like he does not, he knows not to raise his voice in me or he will literally get absolutely nothing from me. And so he, so I, I agree, but there have been some boundaries that I've set in my head knowing like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this or I'm not going to do this, but I've never voiced them to him. I just know like, okay, when I reach that boundary, what am I going to do? So I, I love that you said that because I think there is this like stigma with boundaries. If you don't tell the person that that boundary is set, then that's not a boundary. And so I think that that's where I kind of juggled with like, is it a boundary? Like, does he know he's even crossing it? Even if I don't tell him? Yeah. And so I think like, there's a difference between setting a verbal boundary with your best friend who understands you and will respect your emotions and will understand like, Hey, she really does need this. And then there's a, you know, then there's your co-parent who's like, I don't like you anyway. I don't really care. I'm going to do what I want. So does verbalizing the boundary bring you peace or like 
does it bring you chaos? I think that's maybe a way to look at it too. Like there's so, like I said, so many different variables, but I have a lot of boundaries that I myself have not voiced to my co-parent because they're about me and they're not really about him. So like my emotions, my personal space, my, my time, what I'm doing, my partner, all of those things. Like if he asks, I just say, I'm not really comfortable talking about that. And then we move on and he doesn't ask anymore. So it's been like repetitive. That's the other thing. I think that boundaries have to be repetitive and you have to be consistent when you set them. And that's really hard too. Um, and it might take a while for your co it, Like it took my co-parent three years to stop asking about who I was dating, but I never answered. I just kept saying, I'm not comfortable answering that. Or like, I don't really want to talk about that. Let's talk about the kids. Three whole entire years, but he doesn't ask anymore. So. Yeah. I feel you. I feel like it's, it's taken three years for us to get where he's not so up in my life and think the way where he thinks he's still controlling it. But the other day he did ask, he was like, so, cause I'm currently expecting, he was like, what's your baby's name? And I'm just like, what does it matter to you? So it's just funny. And I think I will say on his part right now, I think he was just trying to like act like he cared, you know? And like my kids did mention, cause obviously they're excited about their baby brother. They did mention like Hux and he was like, the kids were talking about someone named, he called him something else like Huck. And he was like, I was like, no. <laughs> so it is just like, I do feel like it takes a while to get there. So if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I can't imagine even having a conversation with my co-parent where we're not ready to just like hurt each other or hang up the phone and never speak again. I promise you it does get better. I will say it's taken us a long way. And I do have a lot of, I mean, we don't, my, me and my co-parent, we don't, we don't speak a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, it is very like limited and that's what works for us. I do say like when he, when we show up at games and stuff, like he has just came and sat by me and my husband and I won't make him get up and leave because I feel like that is, that's going to hurt my kids because he shows up alone and my kids are already looking at him like sad and, you know, like feeling for them. And so I will allow him to sit there. Now I'm not going to sit there and just like shoot shit with him, you know? But mm -hmm. if he says something to us and normally like my husband is really great, like he'll, he'll talk to him and like, it's not a lot of conversation, but it's, you know, a little bit to not seem so awkward, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's just like <laughs> a balance. I feel like, you know, like, I don't know what to do here, but I feel like I'd be the high conflict parent. If I was like, get your, get up, get up, get yeah. up. You're not sitting here. That's like, those are those split second decisions you have to make too. Like. Mm -hmm oh my God, what do I do? How do I handle this? And that's yeah. when I always say, just remember to like, be calm, be mm -hmm. polite. Even if you don't want to sit by them, whatever, like you, that's yeah. perfect. I think what you're doing is awesome. But I in co-parenting situations, really in any situation, I guess we should say like, but I always try to be the bigger person. Like there was a time that Ariel and I were at a game and he like showed up and he didn't have a chair. I literally gave him my chair because I was like, I was about I, to bring that up. I have more anxiety that How he's just sweet are you? <laughs> yeah. But it was like, I had more anxiety that he was just standing there that I was like, take my chair. I'm going to stand yeah. over here. Yeah. But that's like probably stems too from your relationship, how that yeah. used to be. And I think that's why, like, I mean, Obviously, if you can co-parent from the start, that's amazing. And that's awesome. And I would encourage you to do that. But like, I don't have people following my page or coming to me as a client who can do that, which is why I say like, for those reasons, parallel parenting is probably your better option to start with. 
And like my co-parent and I did not have any flexibility in our schedules for a very long time because we were sticking to the order so that we did not argue and I didn't get taken advantage of. Like, because I would be like, yes, okay, I'll watch them. I'll watch them for, for four hours while you go work. And then I can't work and you make more money. And then I don't get child support and I'm poor. Like, you know, it was like this whole cycle of just me always giving. So finally I was like, this, I need to, we have to parallel parent. Like we have to, there's no way we can't. And so now we can kind of be a little bit flexible, but I still will say no when I, when it doesn't work or when I don't want to do something for him. And I don't have any guilt about that, which I think is another thing as moms were like, but if I don't watch my kids, then what? And what if he's upset? And what if he's like, well, you got to give your kids the tools that they need then to emotionally regulate some coping skills, some ways to set boundaries with their parent. Like you have to teach them to respect themselves when they're at their other parent's house. And that's a whole other thing, but that's part of like the parallel parenting is realizing your co-parent's going to be upset and then your kids are going to have to manage that sometimes. Yeah. I think that was, like I said earlier, that was my problem is like, I still felt the need to make sure he was happy for my kids. Now it'd be a different story if my kids weren't at his home. I didn't care to piss him off, but <laughs> if I knew my kids were going to go there that Friday night, I was like, okay, like I want him to be in the best mood healthiest space he could possibly be in. And so like, I felt like I was walking on eggshells for him. So I love that you addressed that. I would like to ask you, so say someone's been co-parenting or trying to co-parent and it's not working and they want to switch to like parallel co-parenting. Is this something that you address with your co-parent or you just start doing? So again, so if it were me, I would just start doing it. I wouldn't, because here's the thing, like, like I just said, judges and attorneys, they don't really like parallel parenting. They don't. So if you say, I want a parallel parent, then guess what your co-parent has to take to court with them. They want a parallel parent. They don't want a co-parent with me. So I usually advise saying, and of course you need to talk to your attorney because I'm not one, but I always advise saying something like, Hey, things are really crazy around here right now. I don't have a lot of flexibility in my schedule. I would really like to and need to stick to the court order for right now, as far as like time sharing and scheduling and communication. And that that's your Bible, your court order. So when you can just fall back on that and say, I just need to follow that, then you have your excuse. I'm going to follow the court order. And that's where parallel parenting starts. And then you can kind of like work your way towards more flexibility over time, but you've got to stick to that first. So your co-parent knows you're serious and I'm holding my boundaries and this is what we're doing. I love the way that you've almost, I mean, almost taught me like a little bit about boundaries during this, just are painting the picture of what boundaries are and how to like kind of create that reality for yourself without involving the other person. Because I mean, I think anyone who's a a people pleaser or was the people pleaser in that situation, um, if they are, it would be really hard for them to learn how to set boundaries all of a sudden. And then with this person that they probably still have some sort of like unresolved, you know, things with. And so I think, I don't think Tiana's a people pleaser, but probably in that relationship maybe. And so that would naturally just come back up. And I would, I would, that would be impossible for me. I would probably just be like, yeah, whatever is fine. So being able to say like, I have this excuse because this is literally what we're ordered to do. I feel like it would be such an easy thing to fall back on without feeling the blow of like, I'm not pleasing. If anything, you are because you're pleasing what the court ordered. Yeah. I love how you put that. Yeah. That's what I get to talk to a lot of different, like different ladies and they'll come to me for advice and stuff. And I always say, I'm not a co-parenting expert, like girl, I'm trying to learn. But that's one thing I say is like, you know, we 
go to court. We pay for lawyers. We pay for all of these things for a reason. And it's not to just have this agreement that we just have like, oh yeah, we do have some kind of agreement somewhere, but like, we don't use that. It's like, then why did you go through all of the heartache, the trouble, the, the cost of it to get that then let's stick to that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think so just because you have the court order doesn't make it necessarily like easier on you to, to follow it because then your co-parents like, well, you did this before and I don't understand why you'll do it now. And that's when you have to really hold those boundaries. But it, but it is like, yeah, why did you go to court? Why did you pay all that money? Why are you like, and then you're like, well, it's here if we need it. No, you need it right now. That's why you have it. So use it is like, I say that to my clients sometimes use your court order. You paid for it. Why aren't you using it? Like use it. Seriously. It amazes me though. How many people go through all of the trouble and then just to throw it out the window. And I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening right now. Like what, what are we doing here? What was the point of all of this? So yeah, I, I love, think it's important to like think of it as a teaching tool too. Like mm-hmm. your, your court order is a teaching tool that teaches you how to set boundaries and hold boundaries and teaches your co-parent if they're high conflict, how to respect those boundaries. And so that's like where you start. And then once they're good at that, then you can say, okay, yeah, sure. I could switch for an hour on Tuesday, but I can only do it this Tuesday for an hour. And if they roll with it and they don't ask you again, great. Then if it becomes an expectation, you go right back to your court order. Like that's how you kind of try, I'm jumping a little bit, but that's how you kind of try to move from parallel parenting to co-parenting is giving them like little bits of flexibility and seeing how they respond to that. And if they're respectful of it. If you are trying to make decisions as co-parents and you, you just can't come to like, okay, like this is the agreement. What do you do from there? Cause like not every time can you run to a lawyer? I mean, maybe some people can, but financially a lot of people out here, they're not able to run to a a lawyer and have like lawyers go back and forth with each other. So like a co-parent needs, our co-parents need to at least be able to come to some kind of solution. So if you, what happens when you have a high conflict co-parent and you're just not getting there? I have a couple of little tricks that I sometimes like to use that have been effective, but like one of those is use written communication only. Because if you're not using written communication, you guys are going to be doing like squawking at each other the whole time. And then sometimes what will work is trying to get a little bit curious with your co-parent. Like sometimes we get so stuck in, this is what I want. And then your co-parent wants this. So you guys are butting heads. So I did some mediation training. And what I always say is like, ask your co-parent what the, what doesn't work for you about this? Or what would you like to see happen? How can we find a solution? Some of your co-parents are going to be like, there is no solution because I hate you. But some of them might give you a little bit of a clue into here's what I need, or here's why this isn't going to work for me. So I think getting a little bit curious sometimes can help. Um, Sometimes I like the idea of if you have a big decision coming up of planting the seed a little bit. So like a couple of months beforehand saying, hey, we need to pick a school for Susie. Um, Just wanted you to know that's coming up. We need to pick by April 1st. And maybe you start this in in January. And then you go, you wait a couple of weeks, you touch base again. You're kind of like moving the ball forward because a lot of our co-parents like to think these things are their idea. So you're just like giving a little more information as you go. Um, I like that a lot too. But then sometimes like you're going to have to decide, is it worth it? Do Mm -hmm. I want to fight this battle? What's better for my kids? Am I holding on to this because it's what I want or is what my co-parent is suggesting? Is that actually good for my kids? Sometimes that's helpful too. I listened to a podcast yesterday. Um, I don't know if you kick ass stepmom, but she had a guest on there and she was a, she was a lawyer And that's something that she mentioned is sometimes 
you have to take a step back and look because like as a natural state, we all want to be the the right one. We want to be the dominant one, especially in a, a situation that like maybe we just don't love in the first place. We, you know, we want to be the one who, who makes that decision and we got to take a step back and be like, okay, like, is this my feelings, my emotions, my anger? Is this what is like making sure that I'm just not going to agree to like, you know, this time switch or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And so that helped me a lot. Cause I'm like, okay, like take a step back and like evaluate the situation. And also that's what she said, pick your battle. Like, is this a battle that you want, like a hill you want to die on? And if it's not, then maybe consider like meeting in the middle if you can, or just agreeing to whatever that is. And I was like, that's good. I need to practice that in like all situations of life. Is this a hill to die on? Even with my kids, I'm like, am I going to be mad at this right now? Or are we just going to like give you a quick lesson and move on? Yeah. This is a question that I like to have my clients ask themselves is, is this hard for me or is this hard for my kids? Like which one of us is this hard for? Which one of us does this impact? If you're thinking about pediatricians, for example, and you guys can't agree on one, like, okay, if if you don't go to your pediatrician, your kid is still going to get care. They're still going to be able to be seen. They're still going to be healthy. Like, you know, things like that. Who's it hard for? It's hard for you because you want them to go see this doctor, but it's not going to be hard for them because they get to still go see the doctor. So balance, you know, really figuring that out. So as you probably know, I am newly married. And so we are, or we have blended families. Like, do you have any like advice for people that are out there who maybe they've been in a family that's blended and they're struggling or they're currently, you know, planning to blend a family. And so they got some fears and we know the dynamics of like, co-parenting with two different partners. Oh my gosh. There's so much I would like to say. I think first of all, okay. One thing I love for people who are starting to blend is obviously have your children spend time together, have your partner spend time together with your kids. Um, I like one-on-one dates. So like maybe if let's say you would have your partner take your kids for like a date and then you would take his kids for a date, um, just so that you guys get one-on-one time as well. And then the other thing that I think people forget to do is talk about like parenting styles and talk about how involved do you want me to be in your kids' lives, in their discipline, in their like what, like my partner and I, we don't really discipline each other's kids. We don't really like that. We each kind of do what our kids need for them. And then our partners are just around as like an extra hand. Um, and that's what we, well, that's what works for us. But for some other people, maybe they want to discipline, <clears throat> maybe they want to like, you know, I think that's an important part of it too. Like how involved are you going to be in each other's kids' lives? What does parenting look like? Um, and then doing it slowly, mm-hmm. like you don't want to meet someone and three months later, all your kids are living together and you're, you've moved in. Like you need you need to move slowly so that everyone can adjust. And that's one that I see happen a lot is people just like jump in. If your co-parent is high conflict, I think to preserve the relationship between you and your partner, you have to talk to your partner about your co-parent and figure out how often are we going to talk about this person? How are we going to make sure that my co-parent is not living in our home with us? How are we going to make sure that we are respectful of one another's co-parenting relationships? Like there's all this stuff that you have to talk about too, as far as your co-parents when you're blending. What worked for you guys? I did like lots of therapy. I was like afraid for my kids to ever meet somebody. Like it took literally two and a half years for me to ever introduce my kids to anyone. And so like, I was just really, really afraid about it. And I remember my therapist telling me this and she said, just like you meeting your partner, you didn't fall in love with him the very first date. 
So you cannot have these same expectations for your kids to jump into this, you know, relationship, meet this man and be like, I love him. Of course, like we want them to like them, you know, like not get any red flags or like feel, you know, like danger around them. And so she was like the same thing. Like it's going to take time. Basically, like how you said, like taking them on dates, like we did family outings together. We did family outings with like Ariel and her kids and her spouse. And we just eased into it that way. And like that worked for us because it almost set it up as like fun. They were like, oh, when's Austin coming? Like, are we going to go, you know? do XYZ, like they were looking forward to it. And so that's what worked for, for us. And like my therapist putting that kind of like expectation of like, you're not going, they're not going to fall in love the first day, just like you did it. It's going to take time. And that's really like, what was a big game changer for me? Cause of course, like by then, normally by the time, like our partners meet our children, we already love them. You know, we love them and we want the same. We want everyone to love them the same. And that's just not reality because we didn't either. And so it's just that transition period. I love that. And my sons, so both my kids are in therapy and I'm also in therapy. Um, and my son's therapist, they, my, I'm the same. I just introduced my kids to my partner after like a year and a half of dating and we're coming up on two years and they finally just spent a bunch of time with him last week. And I was saying to my son's therapist, like he was so much more shy and my, my son is like the most outgoing kid in the world. He doesn't care who's around. He'll do whatever he wants. He'll say whatever he wants. But he was so quiet with my boyfriend. And she was like, well, it's kind of like stranger danger with babies. Like they have to adjust to this person. And he was probably just like checking him out and seeing what he was like. And, and there wasn't a lot of interaction between my son and my boyfriend, but my son's therapist was like, he's just got to adjust. And so I look at that and think, thank God I haven't like tried to really force any blending or force anything to happen really fast because for my son that obviously wouldn't have worked my daughter who's the more shy one was like like playing games with him talking to him and I'm like what the heck this is not the way I thought it would go but yeah I think the introducing slowly and blending slowly is super important yeah therapy (laughs) game changer guys game changer for every I highly recommend even if you feel like you are healthy, like go to therapy. They're going to unpack something that you did not know was there. hundred percent. Yes. And I, okay. I love that you mentioned not forcing anything. And that's, so I have three kids and my middle was, she took a lot longer to adjust. She's very like me. She's very strong-willed, strong-headed. Like she's the boss and like, you know, this is how her life's going to be. She's already got it planned out. And she was like, you know, six and that's her. And I was just like, I kind of knew she was probably going to be the hardest to adjust to it. But now she is like his best friend. She like, I mean, she chooses him over me, but it's, I'm so glad now that I can look back that I didn't force it. I didn't push it. I would tell her like, yeah, like feel safe. And you know, these, these emotions that you're feeling, you know, like it does take time. And I would like make her feel like it's okay to feel the things she was feeling. I know that as a stepchild growing up, like I felt forced to like love my stepfather, even though I couldn't stand him. And so I never wanted to put those expectations or the force onto my kids. I wanted it to just be a natural thing that would slowly happen. And after like lots of time, it did happen. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, like again, I waited a really long time to introduce my kids to my partner, but my co-parent has dated a lot. And, um, He's kind of on and off with his 
fiance. I think they just broke up. Um, so, so it's like really hard. I, I know I waited so long because they have all of this chaos at the other house. And I was like, I, I feel like I really need to have a strong foundation before I introduce my kids. And I'm hoping we can continue to work on that strong foundation with my kids and my boyfriend, like their relationship. I had a question. Um, so this was in my court agreement is that we had to be dating the other person for three months before they met our kids. And then also before they met our kids, um, we each got to meet that the partner first. And so that was something that was put in our court order from the very beginning. And so how do you feel about that? Or do you recommend most people meeting beforehand? How do you go about that? So one thing I love, I love the idea of having that in your court order, but it is really hard to enforce. So if you have two people who are definitely going to follow the court order, I think that's great. Um, I also think like my lawyer said, absolutely do not put that in there because that is going to give your co-parent a ton of control over your relationship and your life. And um, I have mixed feelings about it because my co-parent definitely introduced our kids to some women like well before a three-month period. Um, and I pr would prefer to for it to have been like six months. Um, so I, I think there are pros and cons. Like, yeah, it's a great idea in theory, but how are you ever going to enforce it? Like no judge is going to be like, oh, sh shame on you. You are right. like, they're going to be like, get out of here. So, right. so minor. To enforce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say like, if you do plan to meet the, like their partner, for example, when I met my ex's girlfriend at the time I went and I went with like an open heart. I didn't go to scold her. I didn't go to feed her a bunch of things about my, you know, he's this and that. And he did this to me. I went and I was excited. I was like, thank you. I literally started the conversation. I said, thank you so much for meeting me. I understand that this is probably really uncomfortable for you, but I want to let you know, I am not here to interrogate you. I just want to get my kids excited to meet you. And so she told me some things about her. She said that she loved crafting and I was like, oh, my girls love crafting. So I went home and was able to tell my kids, like my girls, especially like, look, she loves making bracelets and she already has some picked out that you guys are going to make. And I also told her like, oh, like these are some of my kids' favorite snacks. And like, these are like some of their hobbies. So then she felt like she had something to talk to them about other than just like, you know, you meet and you're just staring at each other and that's a lot of pressure on the kids. But if she knows like, oh, like Quincy likes sports. So she could be like, so do you like baseball? Like you play baseball. That's so cool. And that was it. We ate dinner. I mean, we kind of laughed a little bit. Did it mean afterwards we were best friends? No, that was it. I mean, we had that communication together that day. And I told her like, you know, when my kids are at your home, like anytime you ever need me, feel free to like text or call me. Um, and I can, you know, like make sure to answer that and help you the best way possible when they're at your house. But that was it. Afterwards, we didn't like hang out. We didn't go get coffees. And that's okay. Cause like, that wasn't the expectation of the relationship I was putting on that. It was just that I wanted to be able to make my kids feel safe going into that and knowing that like, you can like her. I want you to like her. I want, you know, I want her to love my kids. Like I wanted that relationship. I know like a lot of co-parents will put you know, like kind of feed into them, especially if they're high conflict, like that person is this and you shouldn't like them. So then the kids feel that like, yes, that, you know, that's probably hurting the other co-parent as well, but no, it's really hurting the kids. And I would really like to touch on that because we don't, 
Like we, at this point, when you're co-parenting, you're not thinking about the other co-parent at this point anymore. You're thinking about the kids. What is safest for the kids? What is best for the kids? And I just didn't want my kids to feel like, well, I can't love another woman because like, I'm going to hurt my mommy's feelings. They would literally come back and be like, cause I'm not, I don't like to craft. I don't like to craft. I'm not the mom who sits on the floor and just does crafts and okay with the mess. That's just not me. That's not me. And she is, like she is, and I love that for her, but they'll come home and they'll be like, guess what I did at daddy's? I got to make bracelets. We painted rocks. We had paint everywhere. She's so great. And like, I think that they were trying to get to me, but I laugh and be like, I love that because girl, mama doesn't have patience like that. Yeah. I th- I love that you said that. So I think um, like for my kids, one thing that I've always made sure to do is not ever say anything negative about their dad or about his partners. And there has been some chaos and some drama and some things that I have been like, why, how, but I have really tried to keep my cool because my kids love these people. I may not love, like, I do love my, my co-parents, whatever she is right now, fiance, not fiance. I, I really do love her. Um, and I would rather communicate with her and we have a great relationship, but that's really important is like my kids have said to me before, it's so nice that you can come to soccer games with um, the fiance, like she and I'll go together sometimes and sit together. Um, So she and I do have like a great co-parenting relationship and my kids love that. And I've always said to them, you guys can love whoever you want. Sometimes like family is chosen. So if you love her and you love her boys and you want to refer to her boys as brothers, or you want to refer to her as your stepmom, like, I don't care. You can love her however you want to love her. You can love her boys however you want to love her. And you can love your dad however you want to love him. So I think that's huge. Allowing our kids to accept love and give love to other people is so hard, but it's so important for them. They need that. I love that. Okay. Well, I know that we're running out of time here. This episode, I feel like we could do like part 50 on it if we wanted to. (laughs) Um, Do you have any like last minute things or like tips that you would like to give um, anyone in the co-parenting? life right now? I think trusting yourself to make the choices that work for you and kind of taking your co-parent out of it is, is my best bit of advice. You are now living your life and your co-parent is living their life. So you have got to do what works for you and your family and your time and your partner and all of those things. And then consider your co-parent like third or fourth, like, you know, and you have to just follow your court order. Don't be flexible if you can't be. Um, Don't feel guilty about that. Prep your kids for going to the other home. If you think your co-parent's going to be upset, give them some coping skills, give them some tools to use, Um, but your kids are going to be okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on here. Again, I would love to do some like part, you know, like part 50, part 60. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But where can the listeners find you? So mostly I just hang out on Instagram at co-parenting peacefully. I do have a website copeparentingpeacefully.com that has my coaching options and some um, online coursework. I have a new online course coming called protect your kids. It's all about protecting your kids from your high conflict co-parent, protecting your relationship with your kids. Um, It's pretty good stuff. That'll be out in a few weeks. So you can find everything there. Ooh, I love that. I will definitely have to check that out. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Call Us Mommy podcast. If you want to spend more time with us, make sure to hit follow. And if you like the episode, share with a friend and leave a review. 